These are the daily lectionary comments for Tuesday of Easter 3. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 34, 1 through 28. This is the resolution of uh, the the um, golden calf incident. And then we'll look at uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 18 to 35. Um, the messengers that come from uh, John the Baptist and Jesus comments on John's ministry. Okay. Yesterday's comments, we looked at Exodus chapter 33, which is the, the continued fallout from the golden calf incident and Moses' second uh, intercession for the people. And, uh, and as that chapter finishes, the Lord has recommitted to going with, uh, with his people. They will indeed uh, one day leave the foot of Mount Sinai. They will go to the promised land and the Lord will go with them every step of the way. Um, and now what we're going to have in, in Exodus chapter 34 is a, essentially a renewal of the covenant. So you'll see first that uh, the, the, the original covenant that God made with the people at Mount Sinai had these two tablets of stone. And Moses broke the tablets when he got down to the foot of the mountain and saw the people committing uh, uh, um, idolatry. So now... You know, of course, and, and that symbolizes absolutely what was happening, and that is that the covenant that God had just made with the people is broken. Now God says, uh, carve out um, a couple of new tablets, and I will write on these as I wrote on the last one. So, in other words, we're, we're going to do this again. And so Moses does that, and he goes up to Mount Sinai again uh, on the top of the mountain by himself, and the Lord once again renews the covenant but actually uh you know moses had asked before he said show me your glory and the lord said i can't i can't show you you know you can't see my face you can't see my full glory <clears throat> and live nobody can see that but i i will provide a way for you to see uh, a, a partial glimpse of my glory and in, in chapter 34 we get an answer to this as the Lord is renewing this covenant and the new tablets for the 10 words of the 10 things, um, it says here in verse six, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord. Now, here is a great memory verse, something for you to remember. The Lord is going to proclaim his name. What that means is Moses wants to know the Lord more deeply and to talk about what you know about somebody is to talk about their name or their renown. And so God is now going to proclaim what he wants Moses to know about him. Of course, not just Moses, but all of the people. This is the nature of the God whom you worship. This is the nature of the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. <clears throat> and it says here, he proclaimed to him the name, the Lord, the Lord. That's the personal name of God. Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It really, uh, what's really written there in Hebrew is Yahweh. That's, that's the Lord's personal name. Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So there God gives a synopsis 
this, this is the kind of God you have. It's not a God that flies off the, hangle, at the handle at any little thing. It's not a God who is so demanding and so perfectionistic and so impossible to live with that we just can't hope to survive. Actually, quite the contrary is the case. This is a God gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and mercy. And you see an example of that. The people have just reverted to idolatry. Moses has interceded for the people. Yes, there's been a period of, of um, estrangement between God and his people, but because of the nature of God, all of that is going to be forgiven. And the Lord is going to go with his people uh, into the land of Canaan. <clears throat> but he, it's not because he just doesn't care about sin. He doesn't care about the idolatry. He doesn't just clear it, but he does forgive it. And here we have the first instance of God speaking of himself as forgiving. He forgives transgression and iniquity. And that's exactly what he has done here. Moses has asked him to forgive. And he has, in fact, forgiven. And so then Moses says, O oh Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us. For it is a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us to your inheritance. And so the, the matter of the golden calf, as horrible of a breach as that was, God overcame it because he is gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He keeps his promises and he loves his people despite their best efforts to destroy the covenant that he created. Luke chapter 7 features a, uh, a little, little insight into John the Baptist and his faith. And actually that, that uh, really tells us a lot uh, about how God tests faith here in this world and how we strengthen our faith. Understand that if, if somebody with the, who, who is, is so lofty in the kingdom as John the Baptist has trouble with his faith. We want to take a quick look at why he's having trouble with his faith and how Jesus addresses it. First note that John knew because God had promised him that God would demonstrate to him who it, who the Messiah, who the Christ would be when it would come. And when John baptized Jesus, he saw the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus in bodily form like a dove. And then he announced to the people round about, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So John had had prior word, a prior prophecy from the Lord. And then he actually saw this demonstrated and on, on, on Jesus. So he knew that Jesus was, in fact, the Lamb of God. Shortly after uh, that happened, John is arrested and thrown into prison. It's a very dark uh, prison in which he is thrown and he stays there for a long time now because he is cut off from everything all he is hearing is little bits and pieces about what's going on with Jesus his faith begins to wobble a bit he had expected the kingdom of God to take a different direction than it was taking and so he was wondering whether maybe he had just gotten all this wrong. Now, that's amazing. Somebody who has actually seen and demonstrated the, the, uh, um, uh, you know, the power of God in the way, in the way John had, had it demonstrated for him, I mean, in, before his very eyes, that he should begin to doubt 
Well, uh, then, then that means that any of us, if we are separated from the work and words of God and the presence of God too long, our faith too will begin to wobble. How does Jesus address this? Well, he doesn't just send the messengers back to John and say, tell John he's wrong. He had it right from the beginning and, and tell him not to worry. Instead, he worked a series of miracles again in the presence of these messengers healing the people who couldn't uh, who couldn't walk, giving sight and hearing and so on like this. And he says, go and report back to John what you see and hear. And they do. And that report back to John essentially was as though Jesus were preaching to John and showing him the words and the works of the Lord again. Seeing Jesus at work, seeing what he does, hearing what he says, is the thing that strengthens our faith. Being cut off from hearing about Jesus, being cut off from seeing what he does, that is the thing which will cause our faith to begin to sag. John was suffering the same way we would suffer if we separate ourselves from the word of God. Jesus strengthens John the same way he strengthens us. He brings us himself and his words and his works back into our vision so that our faith may be renewed and strengthened.